First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, would you open with me to Romans chapter 12? Uh, It is 2018. Uh, It is a new year. And in this series, we're talking about what we just heard. We're talking about how we can be new people. You can be a new you, and I can be a new me uh, in this new year. And, uh, and we can if we let God do what he wants to do in our lives. Last week, we looked at the first verse of Romans chapter 12. And today, we're going to look at the second verse. And so uh, let's begin by reading them both. These are uh, two of the most loved and, and really two of the most important verses that we'll find Uh, In Scripture, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. This is what the Word of God says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Would you pray with me? Father, we do pray today as we open your word that you would teach us or that you would transform us. Father, we don't want to be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so we pray even today, even in this time together, that you might transform us, that you might renew our mind. And we ask it in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen. Have you ever been uh, stuck somewhere where you just couldn't move? Uh, A couple years ago, I remember driving in uh, to the church one night. I think we were having a a concert here. And uh, it had rained a lot that day. And the ground was super muddy. And I had uh, my little uh, golden butterfly, my little gold Pontiac Sunfire very manly car, and uh, pulled it onto the grass, and because of the mud that was there, I mean, I just got stuck. The, the wheels were spinning, but I wasn't going anywhere. I couldn't go forward. I mean, man, I couldn't even go backward, right? I was just stuck exactly where I was, and if it weren't for some friends who came out to help me, I would not have gotten unstuck. But has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been stuck? Has that ever happened to you spiritually? Have you ever been stuck? Have you ever wanted to move forward? You, you want to make progress. You want to advance, but it just seems like the wheels are spinning in the mud and you're just not going anywhere. You, you hear what I'm saying about being a new you in this new year and, and you want that. And yet somewhere deep inside you feel like it may not be possible. You think there's just things that are in my way. I just feel like I can't get any traction. I feel like I keep falling in the same old places that I've fallen in before. And it just seems like I'm not able to move forward at all. Well, in this one little verse, in Romans 12 and verse 2, I believe that Paul tells us how to get unstuck. It's a verse that shows us how we can move forward and how things in our lives really can begin to change. Now, we need to know that what Paul says in verse 2 builds off of what Paul has said in verse 1. 
That in the light of God's mercies, in the light of all that God has done for us in his son Jesus Christ. And that's what the first 11 chapters of Romans are all about, right? That God has saved us in Christ. And in light of that, that if we would lay our lives down on the altar as a living sacrifice to God, right? And be fully surrendered to him. That's the first step. Right? That has to happen first. But, but when we do that, when we do the things that we talked about last week, when we take all of our chips and we slide them to the middle of the table and we say, I'm all in, I'm surrendered to you, God, then now we are in a place where things can be transformed, where things can begin to change. And so as we look at this little verse, verse 2 of Romans chapter 12, I want us to see two commands in this verse and then one result that will come from that if we're faithful to obey those two commands. Here's the first command. Paul says, don't be conformed. Don't be conformed. Do not be conformed to this world. The the word conform there means to be pressed or or squeezed into some type of a mold or or some type of a form. That's why I love the way J.B. Phillips translates this verse. He says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. And that is what the world around us is trying to do. And we need to understand that the mold that the world is trying to squeeze us into is an evil mold. The word world in this verse is a word that refers to the, to the age that we live in, the spirit of this age, the, the, the way the world operates. And it doesn't matter whether we're living in the first century with the Apostle Paul or whether we're living in the 21st century, the way the world operates is always opposed to God. That's why in Galatians chapter 1, when Paul was talking about how Jesus died for us, he said this, who gave himself for our sins, listen, that he might deliver us from this present evil age. And again, the, the present age that we're living in, no matter what century it is, is always an evil age. And it's always an evil age because of Satan. Because Satan is alive and well and active in this world. This is how John put it in 1 John chapter 5. He said, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. What that means is that the whole world system, the the way the world operates, the things that the world values, lies under the influence of the wicked one. In a few minutes, I'll share a couple examples about that, but I'm not really sure that examples are needed, right? I I think we understand that, that what the world thinks is diametrically opposed to what the Bible says. And that's why a little earlier in 1 John, in 1 John chapter 2, John says that if we're in love with this world, then that is proof positive that we don't know God, that the love of God isn't inside of us. Listen to these words, 1 John chapter 2, do not love the world, God says, or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, that, just to pause right there, that's hedonism, right? That, that's the desire for pleasure, for some pleasure to satisfy us and fill us up. The lust of the eyes, that's materialism, right? It's thinking that more and more stuff is what is going to satisfy us. And then he says the pride of life. 
right? That's the desire to be something, to have some position that other people view as important and to find our significance in that. And this passage says all of that is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And the world is constantly just dangling, right, these temptations in front of us. The the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And, And the world is telling us that if we don't experience this, right, if we don't have that, if we don't become this over here and achieve this right here, then, then we really aren't anybody. And we really do not matter. And then those messages are coming to us all the time on TV and on the internet and on Facebook and on billboards. And everything that is flooding into our minds is coming from this worldly viewpoint. What God says is passing away. Listen, I'm not talking about things that are morally neutral, right? I'm not talking about how everybody wants to get us to wear skinny jeans and eat kale, right? That's not what I'm talking about. That stuff doesn't matter, right? I mean, it may be sinful to eat kale, but that's just because it's disgusting. But, but it's morally neutral. I'm not talking about that stuff. But listen, the world is exerting pressure on us in things that do matter. Right? The world is exerting pressure on us to, to think differently from the word of God about morality and about life and about things of eternal significance. And the apparent success of the world in changing the thinking of professing Christians is shocking. In their book, Unchristian, A study is cited of people between the ages of 23 and 41. So basically, people in their 20s and in their 30s who are self-professing, born-again Christians. And in this study of self-professing, born-again Christians in their 20s and in their 30s, 59% of them said they thought it's no problem for a couple to live together before they get married. 59%, right? 44% of them said that sex outside of marriage is morally acceptable. On this weekend where we remember the anniversary of the passing of Roe v. Wade, I I couldn't believe it when I read in this study that 32%, nearly one in three believers, thought that having an abortion was also morally acceptable, I mean, the only conclusion here is that many, many believers in America today are being conformed to this world. And their thinking on these issues is mimicking the world, even though that thinking is diametrically opposed to the clear teaching of the Word of God. But listen, it's easy, I think. And this is where we have to be careful. It's easy to hear a survey like that and to think, You know, well, I don't think like those so-called Christians think, right? I would have answered those survey questions differently. And and, and so we begin to think that being conformed to the world is something that only happens to some other Christians out there somewhere instead of something that happens to all of us. But I believe it does happen to all of us in ways that we realize and maybe in ways that we don't. And probably a hundred different examples could be given, but I'll just share two. The first is, is TV. 
Church, we're being conformed to this world if there is no difference between the things that we watch and the things that the world watches. Now, when I say that, I'm not trying to be a legalist, right? I'm not trying to say, well, if you watch anything above this rating, that not, I'm not doing that. But, but I'm just saying, listen, if nothing ever bothers us, right? If there's never a need to change the channel, right? If there's nothing that would ever cause you to walk out of a movie theater because you're just cool with all of it, then we've been conformed. We've been squeezed into the world's mold, and we don't, the scary part is, we don't even notice it anymore. A second area is money and the stuff that we buy with it. We're being conformed to this world when there's no difference between the way that we view money and possessions and the way that the world views that. If we, as the people of God, are living beyond our means and accumulating all kinds of debt, if we're sacrificing our kids on the altar of work so that we can buy bigger and bigger houses and drive nicer and nicer cars and go on nicer and nicer vacations because we think that that is what it's going to take to keep everybody happy, and that is what it means to live a successful American life, then we have been conformed to the world, plain and simple. Being squeezed into this world's mold. And again, to some degree, I believe this is happening to all of us. We all live in a world that is opposed to God, and it affects us in ways that we see and in ways that we don't see. So what's, what's the answer well, I think for one thing, it, it starts with recognizing that there is a battle going on, right? That we, we do live in a world that is under the sway of the wicked one. It isn't a morally neutral world, right? It's a world under his influence, and it is opposed to God. And so there is a daily, continuous onslaught of pressure for us to relinquish what we believe from the word of God and to just be conformed to what everybody else thinks and what everybody else believes. I think it starts there. With acknowledging that there is a battle. And then once we realize that there is a battle, I think it means that we have to be careful about our influences. And what we're allowing into our mind. What we're listening to uncritically. And we're just accepting everything that is said to us as if it's gospel truth. Church, do you know you're not even supposed to listen to preaching that way? Right? In Acts chapter 17, it says that the Berean believers were, they were pointed out for this, right? They're commended for this because they tested what they heard in church. Right? They tested what was being preached to them against the word of God. And they said, is that really what the Bible says? That's what we're supposed to do even when we're listening to preaching. How much more are we supposed to do that when we're listening to other influences? And so if you're listening to, to Dr. Phil or to The View and you're just imbibing everything that is being said to you as if it's gospel truth, then you're being conformed to the pattern of this world. We also need to be careful about the counsel that we take in from our friends, especially our non-believing friends. And we need to have non-believing friends. But if that person, even if they love you very much, if, if they don't know Christ, then obviously the counsel that they're going to be giving you is not coming from a biblical Christian worldview. It's coming from someplace else. 
And so we need to test that counsel against the word of God. So we have to be careful, again, about what we're allowing to influence us, what messages we're listening to, and how much we're accepting them. But listen, the solution here is, is not to say, oh no, the world is trying to conform me, so I just need to get away from every possible worldly influence and go and live in a cave somewhere in the desert. If you study church history, there's actually some Christians who did that, Right? But the problem with me going to live in a cave somewhere is that I'm still there. And my mind has a bent towards the world as well, right? My mind has a bent towards the flesh. That, that's this ongoing battle between the flesh and the spirit that Paul talks about in Romans 7 and Galatians chapter 5 and, and elsewhere. So, so the answer isn't to try to run and hide because you're never going to be able to hide from yourself. And the answer isn't to just try to have enough willpower to say, I'm not supposed to conform, so I'm not going to conform. Right? And to just try to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and say, it's not going to happen to me. That, that's not going to work either. So what's the answer? Well, Paul gives us the answer in the second part of this verse. He says, this is how you can keep from being conformed to the pattern of this world. Here's the second command. He says, be transformed. Be transformed. While the world is trying to conform us on the outside, Paul says, let God do what only God can do. Let God transform you from the inside. Look at it. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The, the Greek word translated transform there is, a, is an awesome word. It only shows up three times in the Bible. And it's a word that we get our word metamorphosis from, right? It takes us back to biology class, right? We all saw the pictures of the little green caterpillar crawling, right, munching the leaves. And he gets up into the cocoon, right? And, and then a little bit later, the same caterpillar comes out, but it's not a caterpillar anymore, right? What is it? It's a butterfly, right? We all ace that test. And, and, and that, that is a metamorphosis, Right? That's a transformation. There's almost nothing uglier than a caterpillar, and there's al almost nothing more beautiful than a butterfly. And that's the transformation that God wants to bring about inside of us. He wants to see a metamorphosis. He wants to see a transformation happen. The word is in the present tense because it's an ongoing process. It isn't like a light switch. It isn't something that just happens once and then it's done. Now listen, the moment that we believe in Christ, there are some things that happen once and then they're done, right? And, and they last forever, right? The moment that we trust in Christ, we're forgiven and we're cleansed and we're declared not guilty before God and that lasts forever, right? The moment that we trust in Christ, we become a son or a daughter of the king and that status is irrevocable before God. It's true forever. But it does not mean that at the moment that we believe, we instantaneously start living perfect lives in our daily lives, right? We all know that. In fact, the Bible says we're not going to be perfect until we see Jesus face to face. But what does happen in the moment that we believe is a metamorphosis starts to happen. A transformation begins. How does that happen? How does this transformation happen? Well, it says again in verse 2, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That God wants to transform us by renewing, by remodeling, by rearranging our minds. Uh, some time ago, we used to have uh, the, the channel HGTV, 
don't have that anymore. But back when we did, my wife and I were kind of hooked on these, you know, remodeling shows, right? And they're all pretty much the same, I think, right? They, they go into this house. It just looks terrible. It's like garbage pail, right? It's just, it's, it's old. It just, need, everything's outdated. And they go in and they set this budget, right? And they, they always go over it. But they set this budget and they make a plan. And then the first day is demo day, right? That'd be the day I'd want to sign up for, right? Give me a sledgehammer. Let me take some walls out some appliances out, some cabinets out, right? And they put a dumpster out in the front yard. They drag all this old carpet and all this old stuff out and they throw it in the dumpster, right? And then they go to work, right? And start remodeling every room. Then at the end of the show, there's a big reveal, right? And they bring the, bring the family home. I don't know where they've been for the last year, but they bring the family home, <laughs> right? And they show them that, and there's this big reveal. Oh, I can't believe it. It doesn't even look like the same house, right? It's just been totally remodeled. It's been totally renovated. This verse says that's what God wants to do in our heart. Don't you want God to do that in your heart? Right? To renovate it, to, to renew it, to, to change it. And, and this, is, this is why this matters. Because unless that happens, unless that renewing of the mind happens, transformation in our living isn't going to happen. Here's, here's the truth I want us to see. You won't change unless you let God change how you think. You won't change unless you let God change how you think. And for our thinking to change, it means a remodeling needs to happen, right? There's some old thought patterns, some ways we used to think about some different subjects, right, that need to be thrown out in the dumpster on demo day in the front yard. And then there's some new things that need to be brought into the house, right? Some new appliances, some new flooring. There's some new thought patterns that Christ wants to give us where we can think God's thoughts instead of the world's thoughts. And again, the logical question to ask at this point is, okay, that sounds great, but how does that happen? Right? This transformation happens by a renewing of the mind. Well, how does that happen? How is our mind renewed? Well, there's a clue over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at this verse. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, beholding, looking, as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. It's one of the other two places in the Bible that word metamorphosis is used. Are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. There's so much that we could say about this verse, but just to, to boil it down to its simplest level, this is how transformation happens. Transformation happens, this verse says, when we look at Jesus more. When we see Jesus, right? When we behold the glory of Jesus more, when we see him more, when we know him more, when we enjoy him more, we begin to be transformed. Our minds begin to be renewed from glory to glory. And what's the end result? Romans 8 says the end result is that we end up being just like Jesus. And that's where God is taking us if we know Christ. Well, where do we see Jesus? We see Jesus in worship, right? As we, as we exalt him, as we praise him, we, we encounter him. We see Jesus in the church, right? And the way that other believers who know Jesus love us and love this lost world and, and mirror Jesus for us, we see Jesus in one another. We see Jesus at work in this world. When we join him on mission in the world and we see what God is doing in the world, we behold the glory of Christ and that changes us. But listen, here's the primary place. Here's the main place that we see Jesus. We see Jesus in the Bible. 
And that is why the Bible is more than a book to us. It is the place where we see Jesus. It is a book that is all about Christ. And that's why we should never take the word of God for granted. A little earlier in our service, we prayed for the team that's traveling to Kenya later today. The missionaries that we're going to be going to encourage and to bless, they're working with a people group in South Sudan. And this people group has been waiting for 80 years for translators to finish translating the Bible into their own heart language. And it was exciting when about two weeks ago I got an email saying that that translation project is now complete. I want you to look at this picture of two elderly African pastors carrying a box of Bibles that they're getting ready to take and to share with their people in their own heart language for the very first time. Isn't that amazing? And then... And then you have to see this next picture as well. It was taken a moment later. I, I, I don't think that a whole lot more needs to be said about that. But church, we cannot and we dare not take the Bible for granted. That we hold in our hands the very word of God to us. And in this word, we see the glory of Jesus Christ. And as we see his glory, as we gaze at his glory in the word of God, we begin to be transformed. And so what do we need to do? Well, in 2018, if we want to be new people, if we want to be transformed people, in in a sense, it really does come down to this. We need to just immerse ourselves in the word of God as much as possible. The the church, that means that, that we need to hear it. We need to hear the word of God preached in worship, other places as well, right? We just need to hear the word of God being preached. We need to read the word of God. We need to make it our habit to read the word every single day. It's the most important habit we can have in our life if we really want to grow spiritually. It means we need to meditate on it. We don't just want to read it and close it and put it away. We want to think about it. We want to let the word begin to change the way that we think about life. And we need to memorize it. We need to hide it in our hearts. We need to fill our minds with his word. Because this is the way Paul described it in Ephesians 5. He said that that when we read the word, right, that God is washing us with the water of the word. It's a great picture to think about, right? Our minds that are in many ways contaminated by ungodly, unbiblical, worldly thinking, right? Imagine that as like dirt in our minds, right? And here comes the word of God, just like clean, fresh water, And it washes it away. And in its place, it leaves godly, biblical, right thinking about life. Church, this is how transformation happens. It isn't magical, right? It's it's spiritual. It happens by the word of God and by the spirit of God because this book was written by the Holy Spirit of God. And so we who are children of God, who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, when we read this book that was written by the same author that lives inside of us, a transformation begins to happen. He begins to change the way we think, little by little, bit by bit, in different areas of our lives. And as we keep washing our minds, we keep filling our minds with the word of God, our minds are renewed and we are transformed. And here's the 
Last part that we can't miss today. We've seen the two commands, right? Don't be conformed, be transformed. Here's the result that will come from that. One beautiful result. We can experience God's best for our lives. And isn't that what every child of God in this room wants to experience? Right? We want to know, we want to experience God's best for our lives. I, I want to be clear when I say that. I don't mean what we think is easiest, and I don't mean what we think is best. Right? I mean what God knows is best. What is for our eternal good. And this verse says we can know that. We can experience that. Here's how Paul puts it in verse 2. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The, the word prove there means to test something out by experience. It was used in Luke 14 when Jesus told a story about heaven being like a great dinner party. And the invitations went out. And people started making excuses, right, why they couldn't come. And one of the excuses a guy said was, oh, well, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I need to go and test them. That's the same word. God says, I want you to test my will. I want you to prove my will by experience. And here's what you're going to find. You're going to find that it's good. You're going to find that it's acceptable. And you're going to find that it's perfect. Now, first of all, most importantly, we need to know that when it says that here, it means that God's will is perfect and pleasing and good to him, right? That in God's estimation, his will is good. His will is pleasing. It's a sweet aroma to him, and his will is perfect. There can be no improvement upon it. But when we test out the will of God, we're also going to find that his will is good and pleasing and perfect for us. Right, That it is good for us. It's for our eternal good. That if we were to look back from the vantage point of eternity, that God's will is what we would have chosen for our lives if we could see as clearly as he does. And his will is pleasing. It's not only pleasing to God, it's going to be pleasing to us. Right? It's going to be for our ultimate joy. And his will is perfect for us. It can't be improved upon because it comes to us from our perfect and amazing God. Christian, if you want to be new in this new year, it starts like we saw in verse 1 last week by surrendering yourself wholly to the Lord. By saying, God, I'm, I'm all in. And then it happens by not being conformed to this world but allowing God to transform us from the inside out by the renewing of our mind, which happens as we see Jesus, and it happens as we immerse ourselves in the very living words of God. In other words, if you want to be new, then you need to change your spiritual diet in 2018. There's some things you've been feeding on that you can't feed on any longer. And then we need to start feasting on the living word of God. And let it be like a rushing stream of water that comes through our minds and washes it and cleanses it and changes the very way we think. And then we're going to be able to bring God even greater glory in our lives. And ultimately, that is what it's all about. And maybe you're here today and you would have to say that instead of testing out God's will and God's way, that up until this time, you've been testing out the world's way and testing out your own way. And instead of finding it to be good and pleasing and perfect, you found it to be bad and disappointing and flawed. And you look around you at your life right now and what you see is brokenness. 
And I hope you hear this morning, if you don't hear anything else, that there is hope for you and for me. And there is hope because of Jesus. Because he died on that cross and paid for our sin and rose again the third day so that we could have a new transformed life. We can't earn that life. We can't work hard enough to bring that new life about. That new life is a gift that God wants to give us and he can give it to us. Again, because of what Jesus Christ has done. 